Join Ian Garnick as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world, reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future, and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, we're going to talk on this Garlic Market Show about fractional CMOs, about becoming one, about hiring one. The number one tool that you should be looking for when agencies should add FCMO, fractional CMO services, uh, the sweet spot in your business when you should hire one, the time when you should not hire one. And we've got Dave Albano talking all about that. Dave, say hi. Hi. (laughs) Thanks so much. And and we're going to talk about Dave's journey as a fractional CMO, the tools he developed and how he works only Tuesday through Thursday most of the time uh, and became semi-retired about it, as well as the markers of wealth and freedom. What's true wealth and freedom? And the three questions you need to be asking yourself to decide if this is right for you. All this on the Garlic Marketing Show, but of course it's brought to you by videocasestory.com. One of the best tools you can have as a fractional CMO or for your fractional CMO is amazing customer story videos. Go to videocasestory.com slash get started where we can help you get started collecting those, crafting them, and delivering them. All right, let's get started. But Dave, tell me, let, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your marketing journey. You've been, tell me about before you became a marketer because you've done some interesting stuff. I love those stories. <laughs> <laughs> I have done some interesting stuff. You've been <laughs> purview to some of that, uh, some of that journey. But I really got into marketing because I did my undergrad in social psychology. So I actually have my psych degree, and I did my honors thesis in goal setting and motivational theory because I love to know what makes people tick, and that's all marketing is. And <clears throat> excuse me. And so I fell in love with marketing, with psychology, human behavior in general, and what makes us click this button over here versus this button in the digital world, right? I'm more old school direct response, but I hung up my shingle. Literally, now I'm going to date myself here. 2003 is when I opened up my business. Now we're in 2023. It's literally the 20th anniversary of my business just passed. I hung up my shingle October 28th, 2023, and we're just into November. Wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. 20 years in business, two decades. So I've seen a lot in that time, lots of ups and downs, of course. And it's it's interesting because when I first opened up the business and it's had many iterations and evolutions since then, but when I first opened uh, the business, it was largely as a consultant to Fortune 500s. I was working, and again, I'm going to date myself here, but my very first client, I'm up here in, in Canada. So my very first client was Bell Canada, akin to in, in the States, you have Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, uh, one of our big telcos up here. And they had a partnership with Microsoft back in the day to launch the world's largest internet portal of its time with over 2 million users back in 20, 2003. Now, Facebook, ChatGPT, all, Instagram, all the, the big players out there, they're a little bigger now. Um, but back in the day, it was pretty groundbreaking, groundbreaking. So proud to be a part of launching, helping launch the world's largest internet portal of its time. And you start with the big companies, but then you've worked with a lot of different size companies over the years. Tell me about becoming an agency and how that evolved and happened. Did you plan on that? I'm an accidental entrepreneur, I think that way. 
it it wasn't exactly planned, but when I worked for corporate, I knew I wasn't the right stuff for that. <laughs> I'm certifiably unemployable now because I found corporate with all the bureaucracy and red tape. They moved glacially slow. I was too entrepreneurially minded. And I tried to implement things that kind of jostled their feathers, if you will. It didn't follow process. It tried to move too fast and break things. And that's what we as entrepreneurs like to do. And I didn't quite fit that profile. So that's when I was looking for something more to move to the agency model found. And I've classic, you can see by the, the books on my little library here, my office library, and I got lots more than that. A lot of deep work in book reading and courses and mentors and finding mentors and all that kind of stuff. So one of my original mentors was Bob Proctor. He was the godfather of personal development fame. Uh, one of my early mentors before he invented ClickFunnels was Russell Brunson. And then I stumbled upon Ryan Dice and started to gather all this knowledge from across the, the landscape of marketing and business and took the best of the best what fit my personal belief system, my marketing chops that I could apply and so forth. And what I learned in corporate, that was infinitely valuable. Uh, and unbeknownst to most, I lead with marketing, but actually I'm a world-class project manager too. That's what I was doing back in the day for, for corporate. I was a senior project manager on those projects. <clears throat> Excuse me. So taking that wealth of business knowledge and collating it into an agency model, finding some in the early days, finding some business in a box type courses, and then leveraging some stuff in there to build my own brand and grow from that. And I think you know, that project management, that must have been immensely helpful. Believably. And to be honest, that's why I think I've been able to last for two decades because that's what moves the needle ultimately. As entrepreneurs, ADD entrepreneurs, well, tend to be susceptible to shiny object syndrome and take this and cobble that together and do all these things. But if it's just busy work, nothing gets done. And that's where project management really comes to the fore is I actually managed a 22 person quality assurance testing team and a whole dev team in China, all, all kinds. Of my, my team at the time was responsible. Again, I'm going to date myself here, but remember when you got um, internet service, you had to get the little CDs that you had to, they had to mail out to you and install the, uh, the software to run it. Well, my team was responsible for creating all the software on that, packaging up, put it on the CDs, the technical writing and the manuals and all that fun stuff. So, was- Wow. I always wondered, I was like, who, who does that? <laughs> I always think about that. When I get an instruction book, I'm like, this was someone's job was making this instruction book. And <laughs> that's amazing. I was, yeah. So I had technical writers on my team that I was managing and all that fun stuff. And so uh, tell me about as you grew as an agency, the types of clients that you worked with, what were you doing for them and how did that evolve? Yeah. So that's a great question. And it evolved because of my entrepreneurial aspirations. I put big corporate aside and really, really wanted to help the little guy because I was one myself so I could directly relate to them. So small, medium businesses uh, started out with local, just in my local arena, literally building and it was more done for you back in the day. So building websites for, you know, local beauticians and salons, that kind of stuff and coaches, life coaches back in the day. And 
cobbling together their technology because they didn't know how to, uh, email marketing systems, integrating the CRMs into the websites. And then mobile came along and that was all the craze. So building the mobile friendly versions and all those things. And then as I did that, what I found was what people really needed is the strategy. They look for the shiny object tactics, like, oh, what's the next best thing? But they're missing the overarching cohesive strategy. And that's where the aspirations and the original inclinations to become more fractional CMO, chief marketing officer oriented came along because the strategy piece was really missing. And I think that's an important piece. At what point does someone should be someone considering moving from, let's say, a small agency freelancer? Because I think there's an evolution there. Right of of you, you sh- if you're just like I talk to somebody you know they're two hundred thousand dollar a year business they should not have a fractional CMO. At, at what point should you be thinking about that in these this environment? Yeah, so I think that's a two part question. Uh, the first part is at what point should the agency owner or maybe the solopreneur, the consultant, marketing practitioner should think about moving into a fractional CMO? And on the flip side of the coin, what does the client side look like? When should they think of hiring a fractional CMO? So the first part of that question, if you're a solopreneur, agency owner, doing all the done for you, pulling all the widgets for your clients, doing all that stuff, no, that's tedious. It's a grind. We've all been there. I've been there. And again, that's why I wanted to pivot more towards the strategic side because it was a big piece that was missing in the marketplace. And arguably, it's easier to fulfill. It's not done for you because you're just guiding them or their teams to pull the levers and push the buttons. You're just guiding the strategy for them to implement. So it's infinitely easier and much more lucrative to do it that way. So if you're making two, 250, 300 as either a solopreneur or a small team, a fractional CMO move is a great bolt on to your existing agency. It's easy to add in on top of your done for you. Because if you're doing just done for you, it's typically the shiny objects of the day. Maybe you're implementing AI for them now because it's a trending topic. But if it doesn't, if it's not housed in that overarching strategy that I keep on mentioning, then it's not a cohesive game plan and ultimately it's going to fail. So that's when you want to start thinking of adding that fractional CMO piece, the strategy piece as a bolt on to an existing small business, small agency, or you can literally, like I did, I migrated uh, right from consultant into agency into fractional CMO almost in one fell swoop because I saw the need for the marketplace. And it's quite easy to implement if you know what you're doing and you're a student of this or any length of time. Yeah, and I want to... For those listening that are thinking about, they're in the marketing world and are thinking about a fractional CMO, what are the signs that, hey, you need one? That you need a fractional CMO. So that's the, the flip side of the coin, which I didn't answer. I thought I wouldn't. I think I got, I sidetracked myself. <laughs> so uh, thanks for bringing me on. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> that's my job. Jack. <laughs> so I guess, miserably, apparently. So part B to that question is when you want to, um, think about adding fractional CMO to your business is I did that by a revenue marker of, I only work with million dollar plus agencies, million dollar in avenue, annual revenues. At that point, typically you don't need one before that because you're too small. Uh, you're still in the weeds trying to figure it out all yourself. You got a small team perhaps, right? And you're too small to require a fractional CMO. When 
you want to grow and scale more when you've tapped out of your team's abilities and you need to bring essentially an outside hired gun is that minimum million dollar plus level, especially in the three to five million range, I find is the sweet spot, even up to 10 million and beyond. Before, if beyond 10 million, you shouldn't really, or before 10 million, you really shouldn't be thinking of any hired C-level suite executives, CEO, COO, CMO, CIOs, CTOs, all the C-suite. 10 million plus, 15 million plus, 20 million plus. That's when you want to consider the hiring those full-time. Before then, you're typically still struggling. You're Maybe you hit your seven-figure mark, but to go from seven to eight figures or just from 1 million to 5 million is infinitely harder than going from that original 1 million mark because it takes a different skill set. And that's when you want to bring in uh, instead of you having to learn it all yourself, uh, just outsource that skill. And what are the advantages of a fractional CMO versus, say, just a full-time one full-time agency? Well, number one, you don't have to pay full-time prices, right? Fractional is fractional prices as well. So the cost effectiveness is immense, right? And until you reach that 10 million plus figure, then you might want to pivot over to the full-time version. Now, the because it's decreased price, you're not paying a full-time salary of a, a CMO, then it's fractional, it just means part-time essentially, which means they're not a big drain on your team's energy either. So the way I structure mine is I have weekly meetings with my clients, right? Where we go over what's working, what's not, what strategy we're gonna implement and work on next, those kind of things. Our 90-day game plan, we work in quarters and iterate the the wheel for that exponential growth, if you will, by implementing new projects. There's back to project management again, right? That's why I'm able to put on my project management hat in my role as fractional CMO for those teams. And I get in there with their teams and I'm guiding their teams because I have that unique management experience. I know how to manage those teams. So I go in there once a week, manage the team, see what works, what's not and what and whatnot. So it's not a big time uh, pressure or time take, if you will, on the business's team. So that's another huge advantage. But they know exactly what to do in the process. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I like this model for a lot of businesses because it's also, I think agencies are awesome, but I feel agencies, there's some agencies out there that said they can do everything. And you and I both know that like your Google ads agency versus your Google, your SEO agency versus your funnel agency versus your email agency versus a branding agency, they're experts. And it's hard to be an expert in all of that stuff and hire the talent. Whereas you can have a fractional person manage each of those pieces of talent. Is that what you, how it usually works? Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. You bring up a great point because when I'm working with one of my clients, I'm not just working with their team, but if they have other agencies that they are working with, like a, a YouTube ad agency, for example, or Google ad, well, then I'll work with that agency to make sure that whatever they're doing fits in the cohesive strategy that I built out for the entire team and the entire business. Because if they're operating in isolation and the social media team is doing something over here and the SEO team is doing something over here and there's no cohesiveness across those, again, ultimately it's going to fail. Yeah, for sure. And it's tough and it's hard to have just a single agency who is your Google Ads agency then run the rest of the agencies, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Although they often need 
inputs from either the agency, the other teams, they need graphics, for example, or videos from the video creation team. And you know all about that. Yeah, no, it, it's, and it can be, and you need someone leading because you can't just have a pure discussion. And I think, I, I really think this model for a lot of businesses where they need to go, because if you, like you said, if you're above that million, 1.5 million mark, you need leadership in your marketing, especially if you're digitally, if you have any type of digital business and you need that leadership to be service agnostic, because what if like TikTok comes up, do you expect your Facebook ads agency now to become experts in TikTok tomorrow? No, but, and tell me about the point where you realized I want to, like, you're like, these people need strategy. How did you convert into being a fractional CMO versus doing the done for you service? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I always leaned towards it because with my psych background and I love seeing the overarching picture. So as I'm pulling levers for people or back in the day when I used to, my agency used to create websites for people, there was a strategic element involved. Right. I would look at their avatar to make sure we had the right headlines or copywriting on the website. But then what is our lead magnet on the website that attracts them in the first place to get the button click? And what's the email sequencing? Inherently, there was some overarching strategy involved in putting all that together. And that's the part that I loved. I loved building the blueprints. I didn't necessarily love picking up the hammer and saw to build a house, but I liked being the architect. So. It was, I was always doing it to some extent, but leading with done for you. When I pivoted over to fractional CMO, now it's more, sorry, I think I said done with you the first time. It meant done for you. Before I was leading with done for you. Now I'm leading done with you. And that is the critical shift. And you were saying these factors that you like really drove you to become a good fractional CMO. When you look at who you those factors, what are those factors that say I should become a fractional CMO or I should be looking for in a fractional CMO versus a, I'm a, a hammer nail guy. I'm a guy that likes to build the Facebook ads and run the Facebook ads. What what are those criteria that I should be looking for or should look for myself? Great question. I don't think a fractional CMO is necessarily great for introverts. I'm very extroverted in case you you haven't noticed. I'm loud, I'm boisterous, I talk with my hand. You got to be a people person, right? You hit on one thing earlier, Ian, about uh, having leadership to lead teams. So ideally, you should be a great leader. You should love people. You should be great interacting and working with people. And that typically applies to more the extroverted um, bunch, but not necessarily. Like I look at someone like Ryan Dice, who we both know and love. He's a great friend and mentor of mine, but, and he runs and helps co-found North America's largest um, marketing conference on the planet, Traffic and Conversion Summit. He is one of the biggest introverts I know. He fakes it a lot on stage and he does a fantastic job on it. Um, that is a blanket statement that is generally suited more for extroverts, I would say, but it doesn't mean it's impossible if you are an introvert and you want to add it into your, your stable of systems and tools so you can roll. Yeah. And, and it's also like Brian, Ryan, I call him Brian, uh, Brian, good old Brian, my good friend, Brian, he, we both know him. He's a good people person. He knows how to do it. And, and there, yeah, you still have to be a people person. I think you can be introvert, still be a people person. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And because you're one on one, working a lot of times one on one with either the CEO of the business or their COO or one of their managers or their teams, a lot of that's one 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 on one work or very small uh, group settings, which isn't as overwhelming as you know being on stage in front of ten thousand people. <laughs> yeah, and I have feeling I've not I've done some fractional CMO work, but it's within the context of the agency. But if I'm going off and becoming a fractional CMO or moving up and becoming a fractional CMO. What are the essential, first of all, tools that I need? And then what are the skill sets I should be developing? Fantastic questions. Tools, you should have some kind of framework and systems and processes that you've developed over the years in your uh, toolkit that you can roll out because people aren't just buying you. They are buying your knowledge, your experience, your systems. And that's what I introduced for my clients at least. And one of the key frameworks we use is from our friends at Digital Marketer and Ryan Dice, of course, is the customer value journey. Uh, I tweak it a little for, for my clients, but that literally takes you through a scientifically proven process on how to convert strangers into friends, into raving fans as customers. So you need some kind of framework and process to take people through your business owners from where they are now to where they want to be. What does that look like? If you don't have one, you could literally invent one, borrow one that's out there, always giving credit like I just did to Ryan, for, of course. And then over the years, I've developed proprietary tools, spreadsheets, all kinds of systems that I can take from my toolbox and deploy on demand as the situation uh, is requires. In terms of skill sets, a lot of that comes with experience. You may want to lead with a certain skill set that you have. Maybe it's whether it's email marketing or the socials or CRO, whatever that is for you. You might want to highlight whatever you're great at, but then bolt on the other skill sets or even outsource them in some of your strategies. Yeah. And so you're, you're constantly developing this, constantly working at this. I think a lot of people might hesitate to do this for a lot of reasons. They're like, I don't want to be the fractional CMO, blah, blah, blah. How has that being a fractional CMO versus being a pure agency owner changed your lifestyle? And your oh, gosh. You, you know me from watching me over the years. I'm all about the lifestyle as well. I'm And truth be told, I'm semi-retired. I work from Tuesdays to Thursdays from 11 to 3, maybe, if I want, depending on my schedule. Largely, I take Mondays and Fridays off. I live up here in sunny Calgary, Alberta, in the shadow of the Canadian Rockies because I'm a mountaineer and I live the lifestyle. I literally moved here for the lifestyle. So lifestyle is huge for me. But at the same time, I can, I'm can i able to deliver such value to my clients to change their lifestyle. And that's what I love to do. And that's another driver of all of this is the passion to help and truly add value. If you don't have that inherently in, in you, you're probably in, in the wrong position or career because that's what we do as marketers and helping businesses. We is we help solve problems, period. And there's all kinds of problems are out there. It's just how you tackle it, whether you use a nail or a hammer or a saw, whatever's in your toolkit and that overarching strategy that I mentioned. But lifestyle is amazing. And uh, you touched on it earlier again, Ian, about being a leader and you help lead their teams. You know what leaders do? Not only do they lead, but they get paid a premium because they're leaders. So it's very lucrative as well. So 
Very lucrative. You can charge premium prices for strategy, no done for you, and get lots of time in the process. What's not to love? I think, it, but I think you made a valid point because there's so many people out there selling this idea of becoming a marketer that it's going to be this get rich. Like you're going to start an agency and make a billion dollars tomorrow, and and you're going to scale to a billion dollar, and it, it's just it's not. I, but it. it that's not what's going to get you rich. It's wanting to serve and find ways to serve people. And that's going to make you wealthy versus rich, which I think, you know, because you can only, you and I both know a ton of people that have scaled businesses and still have very little money to show for it or free time. And versus you kind of Tuesday through Thursday and you get to go climbing and I see pictures of you climbing and doing traveling here and traveling there and enjoying your life and also having some significance to people. I think that's real wealth. Correct. And you raise a great point. It's not necessarily just about the money and money is just one marker of wealth. What about our time freedom? Money is a renewable resource. We can always make more money. You can't make more time. Time is far more precious to me and my lifestyle and my version of freedom, uh, which may or may not be for everyone. Everyone, I think, has their own definition of what that looks like to them. And yeah, that's up for them to decide what it looks like. But it's it, they have to decide. I think there's, I don't want to go on this huge tangent, but you decided what yours was. And you're not having other, one, other people say, you have to have a jet. Or you have to have the Lamborghini, or I don't know. You have the jet behind you. I don't know if you can fly that one. <laughs> yeah, it's my own. It's a model of my own personal jet. Dave, if I got a video of you getting into that jet and flying that around, I think that would make my month. Uh, <laughs> but how did you just like when you're doing all this it, now? Because being a fractional CMO, you can only scale so much, and scale's the big word. Was there a mental, hey, I would prefer this over this when you decide, when, tell me about a little bit about that. Problem. I think there was just when I was more into the agency done for you model. Again, it was all the lever pulling and it was a lot of work and all agencies know that, right? And there's what I call the PETA clients in there, right? That's an acronym for pain in the, you know, so it's not all the honor and the glory and the Lambos in the background or the planes in the background, <laughs> um, but it's hard work. It's the entrepreneurial journey is a hard one. Oftentimes it's a lonely one, which in that helped me uh, pivot over too, because it is a lonely, I'm working here in my home office all by myself. And most of my days are filled with uh, hopping on zoom calls or videos like this, right? Where I get to interact with people, right? That helps bring me joy as well and serve them in the highest and best way. But as part of that transition to, it was going towards what I love, which is the strategy more for the done for you, what I'm great at, and I was darn good at it, still am. And what can I get handsomely paid for? So if you look at a, a Venn diagram, right, the traditional three circles. So if I got circle number one up here, what are you awesome at? Which isn't necessarily the same thing as what are what do you love doing, right? So what are you awesome at? What do you love doing? And what can you be paid handsomely for? The intersection of those three circles, that's your sweet spot. And that's what I looked for. And that helped guide my transition process. Great. That's great advice. And and that's something that evolves over time, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And for example, I mean, we're just, you know, COVID is not that <laughs> distant a memory. And I everyone had to pivot during COVID, including myself. So before COVID, 
what I was doing is I was offering my two-day strategy sessions where clients would fly me all around the world to their offices and to their boardrooms, build out their entire strategy, their digital blueprint, if you will, on how they were going to show up in on the interwebs. And over two days, I would build out their entire, map out their entire funnel strategy, what would be their lead magnets, their core offers, their upsells, downsells, all that fun stuff, meet their team, get really in-depth under the hood. And then at the end of it, it was a, hmm, you want some help with that? And that was my upsell, right? To the tune of 25K, 30K, 50K packages. So I'm selling high ticket. But my two-day strategy session was for 10K. People gobbled it up, no problem. COVID put the brakes on all of that. So I had to pivot. I turned all my two-day strategy sessions into the current model that I'm doing now, and which is all over Zoom calls instead of a dedicated two eight-hour days, essentially. It's broken up into a three-month process, a meeting once a week, and then pivots over into month to month after that. So that was part of the transition and it's worked out great because now I don't have to travel as much. I have more free time and I get to play in the mountains more often and still get, actually, I get paid more for it in the new model. That's even better. That is wonderful. And you deserve it. <laughs> You've paid your dues right? and people have to pay their dues too. You can't become a fractional CMO if you've just been like posting to social media for a year, can you? Yeah, exactly. And that's a lot of the busy work and the trap that we get caught up in because we see everyone else doing it and pushing out all this content and social media this and social media that and TikTok this and AI that, right? Uh, there's so much out there. You can't possibly do it all. So just only focus on what I call the needle movers. What's going to move the needle for you from point A to point B? And what's that singular focus in order to do that? And maybe it's becoming a fractional CMO for you. Uh, who knows? It all depends on what your goals and aspirations are. That's correct. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, you're going to be helping some people do this eventually, right? Become fractional CMOs? Absolutely. I'm currently working on a program right now to help people do exactly that because there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace. They don't know how, they don't know where to start. They don't have the systems or frameworks or tools. And I have all of that. And that's one way I feel that I can serve in a higher and better way. I also invest in real estate. So I took a page out of my real estate investment strategies. And there's this adage in real estate, when you invest in it, you always want to use a property or a piece of real estate for its highest and best use. So for example, if you have a, something zoned R1 for a residential, but you can convert the zoning into commercial and build it into a retail property instead of a residential one that gives more business and more value to the marketplace, that's a good thing. So I took that same adage into my marketing and my business aspirations. How can I serve better? What is my highest and best use. And it's not dealing, I got into the game because I do love serving. That is not trite. It's not, it comes out of, of true love and serving and help because I believe a rising tide lifts all ships, right? So I could work one-on-one -on -one coaching individual people, or when I work one-on-one -on -one with businesses, those businesses, what do they do? They're going to grow. They're going to hire more people. And now I'm just not helping one person. I'm helping a whole team. Uh, they're, everyone under that business put more food on their table and help pay their roofs over the heads. That is eternally fulfilling for me 
And I said, how can I do that even at a bigger scale, playing a bigger game with my talents and experiences that I've um, garnered over literally my lifetime? And I said, okay, let's teach others how to do this as well. So I'm currently building a CMO school, which is going to be for fractional CMOs to either bolt onto their existing businesses or just run with it uh, totally at, on its own, uh, like I am and have a wonderful, get paid handsomely and have a wonderful lifestyle at the same time. Love it. Love it. And so we'll put a link to uh, Joza Marketing. That's where they can find everything about this, correct? Absolutely. Jozamarketing.com. J- I'm Canadian, so I say Z instead of Z. J-O-Z-A marketing.com. J-O-Z-A marketing.com for your American listeners. Of course. And we were talking about social media. Where do you, where can we find most of your social media? Where should people follow you? Yeah, I'm on mainly, I'm old school. So I'm mainly on the Facebooks. I'm not even on TikTok. So you can find me at facebook.com forward slash my name. Dave Albano, A-L-B-A-N-O. And I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Just Google me or, uh, yeah, find search me on um, LinkedIn. It's just Dave Albano as well. All one word for each of those social profiles. Awesome. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. Dave, thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show and talking about fractional CMO in. It has been my pleasure, Ian. Anytime, let me know how else I might be able to serve your audience. I always aim to please. Yeah, make sure to follow Dave. If you're considering being a fractional CMO or looking for an awesome one, go to Joseph Marketing. And thank you all for taking Dave and I on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video will make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.